I'm Kate. And I'm Jesse. And you're listening to Cocktails and Content Creation. <laughs> Let's do this. It, it was never really for me, like, can I do it? It was economically, can we do it? Like, can, can uh, my family, you know, can we do that? Welcome to Cocktails and Content Creation, the podcast dedicated to helping you easily create content with confidence. I'm Kate Andrews. And I'm Jesse Wyman. Welcome back to another episode of Cocktails and Content Creation. This is episode 150. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in. We would love to know what you think. For today's episode, we're going to chat about how to identify your core values. But before we go any further, let's talk about some other values, Jesse, and that is the value of a good drink. What are you drinking today? Oh, well, a good drink. This one's good for the body, good for the soul. It's just water. It's <laughs> just water today. Good for me. But good I will say the difference. So I had a birthday a couple weeks ago and yeah. my husband got me some fancy mug that all the cool girlies are drinking out of. It's one of the Stanley cups. Oh my God. <laughs> which, you have one of those. Which I would never buy for myself. And so yeah, no, me neither. got me one. And you know what? I will say. My water stays so cold. It works? Yes, it's fantastic. So I've got nice, fresh, cold water in my giant Stanley mug today. Good for you. <laughs> I am, as I said, I'm, I'm that's something I would have never bought, but I'm glad to know. Um, I'm actually like dreaming of a recent cocktail that I had. I got back again this is this episode's airing in december what we we just were recording in october i just got back from disney world specifically the wine and food festival in epcot and mm. they all the countries over there have like their own well like like they they do more countries than the regular ones that they have there one of them being india and they had this drink that had a chai liqueur in it, mang- and mango, and it was, I can't even tell you, I forget what it's called, I should probably bring it up, but um, I'm like, I want to find this chai liqueur. Chai and mango in one drink. That and you know, interesting. I was I was a little like, I mean, you're in Disney, so you're already spending a lot of money, so I was kind of like, ooh, should I do that? Should I spend the money on that? Should that I spend gross. $20 on one cocktail? It wasn't 20 It was like 12 but still. Oh, that's expensive. That's what they are here, though. Very true. Very, But not as big. It was, you know, like, uh, you know, six yeah. ounces or something like that. Maybe not even. Um, but it was, it was so. I, I remember actually I was, um, you know, I went with uh, my mom, my sister and brother-in-law and, of course, my kids. And but I was only with Alex at the time. The others were other in you know otherwise engaged and uh i like i grabbed it and i start walking and all of a sudden i took a sip and i was like oh my god this is good and he just laughed because i haven't like mm-hmm. i was like i haven't enjoyed a drink this much in so long so that's, yeah you uh, should you should find the name of the drink i have it i have like they gave out these little booklets this year that have like all of the um the not not like menus, but just like the pro- the the products that you could buy yeah. and and stuff. And I think it does list the kind of chai liqueur that they use. So mm. I think I could figure it out. And it's supposed to be like some drink from that country. So maybe <laughs> if I get the name, I can just figure that out myself. Yeah, but very nice because that sounds really good right now. It does sound really, really good. good. 
I need a vacation for my vacation now. Always, always. Always. Well, now that we have that uh, important business out of the way, we're going to chat with Laura Johns, founder and CEO of The Business Growers, and she's going to chat with us about how to identify our core values. Laura Johns is the founder and CEO of The Business Growers, a smart marketing company that bridges the gap between marketing strategy and action, giving direction on how to reach your business goals, ensuring everything is flawlessly executed. She has over 19 years of experience managing marketing efforts for companies ranging from tech startups to global multi-billion dollar businesses. She spent nearly half her career serving as a corporate marketing executive in the telecommunications industry before starting The Business Growers. Today, we're going to narrow in on the topic of values and how you can identify your brand's core values and why it's important to your marketing strategy. Laura, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. I I love women. I've hired 17 women, and I'm really excited to talk to both of you um, today about values. So looking forward to our conversation. Yes, thank you. So um, this show is all about content and obviously cocktails. So we're going to start off with our first question of the day. What are you drinking? So I will say I turned 40 last December. And um, I hate to say to be the the woman that's going to say things change with age. But what I used to drink and what I drink today are two different things. So I know that I'm going to have Two glasses of wine, red wine, particularly. I love a Pinot Noir Mm. um, or a Spanish red and a margarita. I love it. Other other than that, you know, I'm too old for it. So so, too old, meaning like does it not just go well with your body? (laughs) Well, I just don't feel good the next day. You know, I just don't like to not be on my A game. Yeah. And so um, I have a control, you know, issue. And so if I still don't feel like I'm on my A game, I'm not on my A game and I have way more responsibility at 40 than I did at 30. And so I'm just having to stick to what I know, which is a margarita or two glasses of wine. You know, I feel that pretty, pretty boring, but yeah. I used to think that maybe you know we can't drink as much with age, but maybe it's just more realizing that we maybe can't. maybe we just become more responsible. <laughs> exactly, I was just saying like maybe we, we couldn't drink that much back then either, but we just had no idea, and we're just like going. You know, with it. I was thinking too, like you know, we um, we also have other humans that, or I do, and, you know, for sure have other humans that I have to think about and performing, yep. um, you know, rather, rather than just going into work and clocking in, it's a little different these days. So. Well, I think Feeling now that. the goal, the end goal is, is different than it was in our twenties and thirties where it's like, we just want to like get to that really drunk spot. And now it's just, we want to right. unwind, <laughs> but we also realize we have responsibilities. So it's like meeting <laughs> yes. it in the middle. Well, I will say, and interestingly enough, not to to throw a caveat in here, but I went in my 20, when actually I turned 21, I attended um, a very small Baptist college. And um, so, so very different from the normal college vibe. Of course, then afterwards, I went to the University of Alabama where students um, acted much differently. So I, I will say for the most part, I've always been pretty tame, but now it's more because like, I just don't like to feel bad. So agree. I, <laughs> so I feel that. simple, yeah. simple gal here. Right. So, well, then you gave us a little bit of your background right there with where you went to yeah. college and everything, but 
Uh, Going a little further, tell us a brief introduction about your journey and how you got to where you are today. Yes, yes. So I think for many of us, particularly women, I like to call myself an accidental entrepreneur. And that was because um, through the course of life change and particularly motherhood, um, what I wanted, and this kind of goes back to the, what are you drinking? You know, what I wanted for myself um, looks a lot different than what I wanted for myself 10 years ago. And um, my husband took a job um, a couple of years after we got married. That was an hour and a half away. This was before COVID. So it was back in the day where, you know, the job that I had at the time, my boss expected me to be in the office. And so when he um, took this job, that was a great opportunity for him. Um, and he's actually in ministry, which is also kind of an interesting part of my story. Um uh, because we're both, you know, he's, he's, um, responsible for serving a lot of people. And now I have a team of 17 women. And so we're both juggling a lot, but, um, so we actually moved and through that, I was trying to still like be on my A game through one being a new mom, um, to a little boy, and then also trying to drive, you know, one way an hour and a half. So like three hours, a couple days a week. So I was like, I'm in the car 17 to 21 hours a week. And is this really like life giving or, or what makes sense for our family? So, um, so after my son kind of hit like a six month mark, I also, um, quit, uh, nursing him. And I didn't know that like, when you stop doing that, your whole, like your hormones <laughs> go crazy <laughs> again. So my hormones started going crazy and I was like shutting down, um, in all areas of life and had kind of my first, like, um, like breaking point, I think post, um, motherhood. So through that, I learned that, um, you know, being in the car 20 hours a week was in fact not going to work for me. So I started talking to my boss at the time about options. Um, he was gracious enough to say, put something on paper that worked and, you know, worked for our family. And through that kind of started my journey to entrepreneurship. I went part-time with him, did some things on the side part-time, but I like to tell people like at the time, my mindset was totally different than it is today. This is when I had a six month old and I literally just wanted to make ends meet like, make the dollars to feed the family and that type of mindset. So I didn't want to hire anybody. I didn't want to grow a team. I literally just wanted to make money. Um, Fast forward to uh, COVID, had my second son three weeks after COVID um, and went had gone back to work full time. We had moved back uh, closer to home. And I really just um, kind of missed uh, just being able to make a lot of impact with a lot of different businesses versus just one. Um, I've always been in technology marketing, which is pretty unusual for a a little girl from South Mississippi. Um, Very unusual. We're we're not necessarily known as a tech hotspot here in Mississippi, but we have some really cool tech stories here. So had always done technology marketing, was consulting, doing some technology marketing work. And um, decided after I had my second son that I knew I could do it. I knew I could do it all all out and not just to make the dollar, but really to grow and build something great. Having always been a female in technology marketing, um, I thought it was just a really unique spot for me. And I always felt like there was room for me at the table um, because I made it. uh, I made room for me at the table and I wanted that for more women. Um, So in June of 2021, I started the Business Growers. Um, actually took one of my employees where I worked with the blessing of my boss at the time. And she and I, she was just out of college and she and I started the the grind from, no pun intended, but the grind from the coffee shop. 
Um, and fast forward to today to a little over two years in, and we have 17 women globally, um, and we're uh, serving 58 clients in 23 states. So it's been a ride. That was probably way more than you wanted to know, but that's the whole story. Yeah, that's impressive. <laughs> wow, right so there. 58 really clients nice. in, I guess, technically th- two years? Is that two years? Two, yeah, wow. two, two years, yep. That's mm-hmm. Really impressive. What was it yeah. like? Yeah. Um, I know sometimes we like to talk about the journey to entrepreneurship. So what was it like sort of making that decision to like go part-time and start picking like picking up your own work? Because a lot of people have, yeah. you know, a lot of insecurity, a lot of fear based like limiting beliefs. And so what was what was going on yeah. at that time? I, I think some of it, like for me, I'm very practical. Again, wine or margarita, no, nothing else. I'm like going back <laughs> to my tea drink. For me, like it was very much like a, a economics decision. It was, you know, I can't just quit my job. And, um, you know, you gotta be, you, you can certainly have faith, but you also have to be um, smart and use your common sense. So at the time for us, um, it was more like, can I, can I do this? I knew and never doubted, always had both bosses and parents that really um, never made me feel limited. So I never felt like there was anything I couldn't do. My dad um, tried to get me to go to law school. I was not interested, but um, <laughs> but I always was very empowered by um, the people around me, which I think is a big part of it. So I, it, it was never really for me, like, can I do it? It was economically, can we do it? Like, can can um, my family, you know, can we do that? And so um, I like to to tell people, and I know this isn't um, always the case for female entrepreneurs, but for me, in in this season, I married my husband when I was thirty one, and then I made this jump at thirty eight, and um, and it was very much like our decision. He was confident in me, um, but the main thing for me was I gotta I gotta have clients before I quit my job. <laughs> so that I mean, really, like having um, and and again, I feel like it was it was a step of faith. But it was like once I once I knew in my mind that I wanted to do it, I started seeing opportunities come, or I started finding opportunities. So I had you know, and again, kind of going back to my dad's an attorney. I'm very practical. I had like in writing signatures in place, knowing that they were going to pay me for the next six months. I knew I had you know the next six months that I could you know pay the bills. So I think it's kind of a mixture of um, confidence and practicality. Uh, for me, it was that. And so I knew I had the dollars to to still bring in what we needed to bring in for the family. And then I also knew that I had the experience. And um, I had a boss at the time when I left that um, you know he was the CEO of a, a company that had 30 or less employees. And they really didn't need a full-time marketing team. They had me. Um, but they needed more help than just me because I was, I I wasn't a web developer and a social media manager and a graphic designer and, uh, you know, all these things. And so just having a lot of conversations with him, I realized there's a really big need for these, you know, small to medium sized companies that don't really need a full in-house team, but they need somebody that acts like it. Um, they need somebody to sit on the board call or the investor call and tell everybody how things are going. And so that's where uh, the the idea was born and, and it's worked out. It seems to be there are a lot of people like that that need that need that type of help. So I love that. I love that story. And the fact that you were pragmatic about it, because I think so many people question like, when is when is it the right time? You know, and having yeah. those clients yeah. sort of lined up on the part time basis, you were building that reputation, you were validating 
your own business model, really. And yeah. the fact that you were getting clients and you had success sort of validated that you, you yeah. could do this. So I, I really appreciate you sharing that approach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I wish I could say I was one that was just like living on a wing and a prayer, but I'm, you know, I'm a little bit more, um, I don't know. I realistic. Just got a little bit more like, yeah, realistic. Again, I kind of call it control. <laughs> like I don't really like to feel um, out of control. And again, I knew like, um, yeah. there was again, like there's a lot, a lot banking on um, my success. So I didn't want to do it blindly. So, you know, and I think, you know, again, entrepreneurs write books about these big moments. I've had a lot of really big moments, but I've always done it like with, you know, practicality is like the, the foundation, you know, being smart about um, using common sense, that type of thing. Well, you seem to really have an, a good grasp on yourself, your emotions, your needs. Ther- my not therapist. Only... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we all we all have one of those and it's always a good thing to have yeah. in our back pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, but you can have all the therapy you want. Right. And you, you still may not have that can that that knowledge about yourself. Um, yeah. And that can include, you know, not only your personal values, but when you are kind of a personal brand or when you have your own company, um, your brand values, why is it so, you know, that's what kind of our main conversation today is brand core values. Why is it so important to identify those core values when it comes to your brand? Right. Well, I think we've all been a part, and if this is not true, you, you two ladies can tell me, but I think we've all been a part of organizations that put their core values somewhere like in the building or on the wall or, you know, and then like there was like an obvious lack of respect or lack of acknowledgement of the, yeah, of the core values. And then it's like, what's the point, you know? And so I have, um, or you see, you know, inconsistencies or no accountability and, you know, that's not to say it's kind of, I kind of like to, to look at core values, kind of like a marriage. Like, you know, I made a commitment to my husband and that doesn't mean that the person, you know, the, the vows that I said, um, I can't say I wake up every day and I honor him and I respect him. You know, that I can't say that like I act like what I said, but overall, that's still my goal. And so I think that um, making sure that you have core values that you, if, if, I mean, number one, you have core values that one, you're willing to keep everybody accountable for in a, in a very open and, and transparent type of way. Um, but also like, like with a marriage, uh, maybe today, Susie on my team doesn't wake up feeling this core value, well, we're going to have a conversation about it. Um, our, my number one core value and my team, you know, everyone knows we, we, we talk about it. We actually have our Q3, um, review today. The very first slide is our core value. Like just, we put it in front of them all the time. Um, but we do it because we, we do have accountability for it. So our number one core value is trust. And anytime that core value, whether it's with a client or a team member is I like I like to say rubbed. I don't know the best way, but compromised, I guess. But if I just, you know, you can feel it, like even a personal core value, if a personal core value is trust and I feel like somebody doesn't trust me, like, I don't know, I kind of start sweating. I get this like gut thing going on and I have to say something, um, being able to acknowledge it rather than sit on it for two to three weeks and then it just falls flat, um, being able to acknowledge that upfront 
and say something to that employee. Not a, we're not going to be, you know, crazy as far as like, you know, the way that we, that we're not going to um, call anyone to be any sort of martyr, you know, for the core values, but we are going to talk about, um, talk about it and talk about account- accountability and that type of thing. So um Anyway, so number one is trust. We have a client, I had a client that abused that a few weeks ago and, and, and they are no longer a client. We're very serious about it. So um, I believe that um, that core values are, are critical and it's not, it's, it's not just having them, it's living them and making sure that they're in front of your team and that everyone's accountable to them. How do you feel that's best done in a business? The accountability part? Yeah. That's something we um, really think thought about. Yeah, we on a quarterly basis, we I think one thing is that if I were to have core values and put them up and talk about them and I'm the only one that's talking about them or giving examples of them, then it, they're really just my core values. And I have a company with my core values lived out. So um, for for my team to live them out, they have to also have some sort of conviction to the values too. And so on a quarterly basis, we all get together and talk about them. And we actually physically went to a cabin in the middle of nowhere a couple of months ago. And everyone on the team, we talked about each core value and we talked about like wrote down for hours, like what that looks like. So tr- I'll tell you the four of the trust. We operate with trust. We believe in balance. We lean into growth and we seek solutions. Those are our four core values. Um, so how do we do it? We talk about how we do it. We talk about examples of that. So what the core value of trust means for one team member might be totally different than what it looks like for the other team member. Um, so we talk about, you know, things like, okay, trust means like for me, it's being able to give constructive criticism, i.e. feedback, feedback, not constructive criticism, but being able to give that, knowing that everyone here trusts that I'm doing it for their best interest, not just in this job, but for their future mm-hmm. and their professional and personal life, both. Um, so, you know, being able to tell them what these core values mean to me, but also hearing from them what that means gives us an understanding and some accountability and some skin in the game for each other. Um, I've seen so, it. Go ahead. I was gonna say, yeah. I've seen it done too in the interview process. So if you're hiring we do. someone, yep. you could say how you give know, me a how, scenario. Yeah, where this meets our you know value of trust. Yep. Or you yeah, know, because then you're almost like if they give some really off the wall answer that you're like, yeah, no, like that would that would sort of raise yep. the flag in, in the applicant. Right. So, yes. Yes. So we have a set of questions for each core value. And like, for example, for growth, we ask them to tell us about a time where they maybe embraced change or sought a new learning opportunity to improve their skills in a previous position. And if I mean, that's something you really can't like make up, you know. Um, or we, we say we're solutions focused. We, we seek solutions. So, you know, give an example of, uh, maybe a challenging scenario where you had with the client where you had to come up with, with a solution for them that, um, you weren't prepared for or something like that. So we do, we do incorporate that into the interview process. And that's, a, I mean, again, like those are the types that we record our interviews. So we go back and look at them, take some time to 
you know, I think you can go back and look at at those and, and see, okay, is this an authentic response? Is this something they just made up because it's an interview? Um, that type of thing. So, right. Um, but yeah, interviews certainly is a, is a part of that as well. So we're going to tie this back to like marketing and, you know, marketing strategy. A lot of our, you know, listeners are either entrepreneurs or are thinking about, you know, creating content with the idea of like a marketing strategy behind it. So we are going to eventually tie this back to marketing, but how, before we do that, how do you even start to think about like, what are your core values? Like, that's a big question, even as like a personal, Mm -hmm. like if, if you were to ask like personally, what are your values? That's kind of a big question. So how do you do it? you know, for a brand. And I don't know if you have an example from a client that maybe you've you've done this for. Yeah, I do. Well, um, I really have not done core values work with clients. I, I, if they don't have core values, I'm like, go find them and come back to me, come back to me. (laughs) Um, but, but you know, it's kind of, it's interesting to me just because I live my life based on my values. And I've actually like, again, kind of going back to that therapist, like personally learned, to be much quicker in my response when I feel like the sweats or the stomach, uh, the gut punch or whatever. Like I'm, I'm learning to not just let that sit heavy on me. I'm learning to respond faster when I notice that there's a, um, a rub, uh, you know, against a value of mine. But I don't know if you've ever read the book Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. She's phenomenal. Um, that particular book actually gives you a list of values. The whole book is about living in your values and and making sure that we walk our talk and that you're clear about what we hold important. The book is intended really to impact you personally, but she provides, there's a download if you Google it um, and I can provide the link as well, but it's the um, dare to lead list of values. And it, it provides like a hundred or so values that um, you really dig into, into through that book. Um, but also, you know, you can create your own or certainly, but, but you start to think about, um, you know, the exercise it asks you to do is to ultimately pick two, but to start with like 10 or 15. Okay. What are these 10 or 15? And then start asking people around you, like, does this, does this seem like it resonates with me, et cetera. So doing that same exercise, not only for you personally, but for your business. Um, again, I think that depending on where you are in the life of your business, it, it should be something that is done by the team. Uh, because a lot of times the team can see your blind spots, you know, and, or see things that might matter to you that you maybe even aren't aware of as a leader. Um, so we took, uh, when I had, I say I have 17 now, we had our first five team members. We did an offsite and we talked about values. I explained my personal core values. Some of our core values are my core values, but they're also um, something that we decided together. Uh, so that that kind of um, to me means a lot because they weren't just things that I, I created. But I really highly recommend the Dare to Lead list of values. It's a great exercise, and she, she there's a podcast on it as well where she talks through how to how to do that and how to know what your values are. That's a great place to start, both personally and corporately. Okay, I think that's pretty um, pretty easy. I know it's probably Ta- tactical, not, yes. not easy I mean, when you dive action. into it. Cause I feel yeah, like so many not. people are like, of course I value that. Of course I value that. Of course I value that. Check, 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 check. And so really narrowing yeah. it down, I guess. I when mean, you have but, to pick, right. Yeah, when you have to pick two and, and also like talking about, okay, why did I choose this? Well, what, what are those things that like cause inner conflict or what are those things that you, you know, you can probably ask your spouse if you're married, like, you know, what are the things that time after time I, um, you know, kind of 
blow up about or I I get emotional about or whatever, because typically, and what she talks about in the book is typically those things you can tie back to a value. So, so, you know, let's just say, um, I'm looking at the list of values right now because I just looked it up. So let's just say belonging is a value. So if you always get really mad when you get left out of the mom's group, or if you always get really upset or you feel left out when you weren't invited to something with, with a group, or you see a picture on social media and it's your group of friends that you weren't included, like, okay, maybe that means that belonging is really important to me. So you can kind of do some of mm. that, like the self-discovery to see what it is. And again, if, if you look at it both personally, if it's something that's consistent, both in your personal life and your professional life, then that's a good indication that that's it. But taking this list of 100 and picking two is you really have to dig into that, that type of response that you have personally to see, okay, what what's important to me. Mm, that's a really good example that really like made a lot of like made the connection for me. Okay. So yeah, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Yeah. Um, okay. So now we're going to tie this back to like marketing. How, like, yes. why is, why is belonging? Let's use that as an example. You know, how can we use the value of belonging in our marketing strategy? Yeah. So, you know, I like to, I don't know if you've read the book. It starts with why it's Simon Sinek a book, but he takes, um, I really love how he takes three kind of tiers um, and it ties back to it's your values, but it ties back to the way that you communicate with your audience. So it, the very at the very center is why. And and he talks about he uses uh, he has a TED talk where he talks about um, Apple. I believe he, he he does a couple of brands, but you know Apple does the same thing that a lot of you know that Dell does. And you know if you really just look at the product, you know, or or, or what the bottom line is, what the, what they're doing. But it's not about, you know, it's it's that they that everyone that, um, you know, that uses Apple product and, and, and continues to use these Apple products is because they're inspired because they encourage you to think differently. That's their why. Right. Is it think differently? Isn't that Apple's motto? Yeah. Um, so you're a genius if you use the product. Yeah. So they've created this whole brand around why. Um, but there's also there's there's kind of three circles. The very center, it's your why. Next is your how, and then it's your what. So when you look at your values, um, and again, kind of going back to belonging, for example, as a core value, if belonging is my core value, then we're going to look at the why um, to tap into, okay, as a brand, if we want everyone to belong, that doesn't just, you know, that needs to not only be part of our why, but also part of our how and part of our what. So let's start with why, which is, again, very great book, but let's figure out how, how our products and services, how us as a team, our standard operating procedures, how, um, you know, are, we want to make sure that belonging and making people feel like part of us. So maybe it's sending them a gift, right? When they onboard, that's, you know, a shirt that's got your brand on it, or how do we work in making them feel like they're part of us, they belong, by choosing us. And that's your, that's kind of centered around your why. And then, you know, of course, on the, when he talks about the how and the what, um, you, you can kind of, you know, see how that could look, look differently. Like our products, do our products help people belong? What are those products? So trying to really work those values into not only your what and your how, but also your why at the core and make sure that everything you do as a brand reflects those things. Um, I'm not sure if that was a really good example, but that, that's what came to mind when you said belonging. So 
No, that, that makes so much sense because now I'm thinking like, to your point, you know, it's going to be, you know, and I imagine in that, like you said, there's like kind of the internal process and the external, like internal is like, how do do we apply this value to like our our team? If you have a team or yourself, if you're just an entrepreneur, but then yeah, the external, how do we make our customers feel like they belong? Right. And how do we ensure our products do that? So, and even like, you mentioned you mentioned t-shirts or something like or something is like mm-hmm. or like, yeah, like maybe what, it's what? client maybe it's client gifts or something that like even yeah. part of that process but then then you take that and your messaging is you yeah. know, need to always part like, of that if you're writing let's say you're writing I don't know I'm just going to use an Instagram caption like you can take that caption and say does this is this going to help somebody feel you know Yeah, like they're part of it. Yeah. And I think, you know, our one of our core values is balance. And we have a quote that we say all the time, we do it in our onboarding, we do it um, is we get our hair done, we get our work done. So that Mm -hmm. one of those things, this is how this is how a core value not only is truly ingrained in, in every part of our business, but also outward facing. So here's an example. We get our hair done, we get our work done. That ties back to balance. We we value balance in all aspects of your personal life. Um, the employee well-being, workload management, flexibility and work environment. That means that we're never afraid to put a hair appointment on the calendar so that everyone can see. So uh, typically in a you know work culture, a lot of times you'll have that appointment or you'll have to make it on a Saturday. Well, I'm a mother of two. I don't want to spend four hours on a Saturday um, getting my hair done. <laughs> I want to spend time Same. with my family because, yep. I'm, because I'm at work all week. So what I tell my team is you put that Botox appointment on the calendar you put your hair appointment on the calendar. It's fine if everybody sees it. That's how we live. Get your work done. Now, if you know our goals for the quarter are not met, we're going to talk about why they weren't met. You know, and and we certainly don't want to take any sort of flexibility away. So that we're accountable. So with trust and balance come accountability. We're going to talk about it, but also I, I actually took a um, picture. It was like a Friday morning at ten a.m. of me on in the chair with people like blow drying my hair, you know, I had full whatever in my hair. And I took a picture and and basically said, let's normalize getting your hair done during the work week. And for women, like, hey, bosses, let's normalize this. And um, I got more response than any post I've ever gotten on social media. Everyone actually like um, uh, assistant to the CEO of Shipped um, responded to it. A couple of, um, you know, people somehow it, it stumbled upon, uh, it, so you it, went it viral, resonated. you went low key viral, um, basically <laughs> LinkedIn viral. Yeah, basically. Um, but it was just so great to me to see how many people that resonated with and how like, that's me not being afraid to take a picture and, and challenge other CEOs, um, to think this way, but it's also in, ingrained in our culture everyone has a hair appointment on their calendar and nobody's scared to put it, you know, or got to pick up the yeah. kids early. And it's, it's amazing how many women that start to work for us ask questions in our onboarding, like, what do I do? You know, do I submit time off? What do I need to do if I need to go pick up a kid five minutes away? Um, and I'm like, you go pick up the kid. Like you just put on your calendar, I'm picking up uh, on your Slack, like I'm picking up a kid, you know, that we have like a little Slack, um, you know, like just if people need to get in touch with you, but like, we're not taking time off for 15 minutes to go pick up your kid, you know? And so that's, that's, you know, balance is our core value and also balance. And, and that also means that 
I may have an uh, uh, email signature that says, you know, my from a balance standpoint, I've told my team, my work hours sometimes are 8 to 10 p.m. I have no expectation of anyone else's. That's just when I can get work done um, the best. But on my email signature, it's no expectation to respond. I'm just work, you know, I, I work weird hours sometimes. So it's, you know, giving people the grace to um, to not feel pressured by, you know, to by what my balance looks like. Um, so anyway, it, it works itself out, obviously, in your messaging. Um, and you can see if you look at our social media, we're very, you know, we're, we uh, have pictures of us, you know, goofing off and um, finding balance and, and, you know, Grace going for a couple of weeks to um, serve. She, she took off and did a trip to Peru and we posted pictures of her like celebrating what balance looks like for her. She's single. She doesn't have a family, but she wanted to go serve people in Peru. And so we supported that and, and gave her a shout out on social media. So anyway, we just try to make sure there's a connection between those values and, and who we are as a brand. So with that, like That's balance awesome. and like keeping it, um, you know, audience facing and showing that, yeah, Grace went to Peru. Um, some people might be wondering, well, how is that? How is that actually like marketing for me? Can you, yeah. I mean, and I'm, you know, yeah. part of that is like just showcasing what it's, what is important to your business. And if they also find yep. that important, then they're going to be like, oh, I like this business, but I don't know if there's like another way that you could explain how that like from a, from a client attraction standpoint, how yeah. that works. Yeah. Well, and I, I think this kind of goes back to, I'll explain it a little bit better, but like the, the, it starts with why concept is people can go find marketing anywhere. <laughs> you know, I can go find yeah. a marketing partner. I can, there are, are hundreds in my own community that I could go partner with and do marketing with. So there are, everyone has competition with a quick Google search, especially in this day and age, you can go find somebody and get accomplished what you want to get accomplished. What we buy into is the value, is the person that's selling on the other end is, I mean, again, it's a very common sales coaching, you know, technique is like you, you listen, you get to know people, you build a relationship and a relationship is what people are buying into. And it's, and so if I post something on my social media as a brand that now I will say it's very interesting. I have 17 women working for me and my ideal customer has, has turned out to be for the most part tech CEOs who are today men in their fifties and sixties. It's just a fact for the most part. So, so it's very interesting that we have 17 women working for me that are pretty much able to, which this is what I think is so cool, is like is like grow brands nationally that are led by, you know, men. Um, but there is a good chance that these tech CEOs might look at my social feed and it doesn't resonate. And I have learned that the best clients that I have are ones that understand what we're trying to accomplish in our core purpose as a brand, which is different than our mission and vision, which I think we could argue about, people could argue about. But our core purpose at the business growers is to empower women professionally and personally, 100% core purpose. Is that what we do outwardly? No. But taking, you know, looking at historically the best clients that I've had and the best relationships, the most longstanding relationships with those clients that I had is that somebody who understood and believed in our core purpose and at, at its core, um, not to you know, say core too much, but at its core, mm. 
that like and and appreciate what we're doing here um, as an organization. And that's really what keeps clients um, coming back. So if they don't like it, they can go somewhere else. They can go find marketing anywhere. That's true. Um, but I want to build. I want to build a meaningful brand with clients that we can make a great impact with. And I think it's a very foundation of that. Again, you can go find a computer anywhere, but um, people love Apple products because of the why. And so, building a brand um, because of your why, less about your how and your what, is really what um, what I think makes the difference and makes to me a meaningful impact rather than just selling product and makes people employees want to stay. I completely agree. Mm. This has been so amazing. I, I feel like we could go literally on and on and on and like, I know. On, yeah. you know, but I, 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 I kind of like, I kind of am like uh, sitting here uh, thinking like, Hmm, how do I get a boss like that? My goodness. <laughs> well, I, cer- I certainly, I certainly have my downsides, but I think honestly, like kind of going back to my roots, like I grew up in the deep South um, very common here in, in Mississippi to, um, to see women. And again, I think if you find that perfect person for you at any point in your life, that's the right time. Um, but you know, particularly in the South, very common for women to get married young. Well, I got married at 31. So you were ancient. I was, like a, grand, I was a granny. Ancient. Yeah. I did, I did marry, <laughs> I did marry a younger man at least. So Ooh. he keeps us young, but, uh, um, well, there but, you go. With that, with that, I had a lot of time to be single and change my own tires and buy my own house and sit at a table signing the contract when I bought my house totally by myself. My parents didn't even come. I felt like such a big girl. But taking, you know, taking trips by myself and really learning um, myself. And that I think has has been the game changer, both in my relationship with my husband, but also in my ability to lead. Um, and to really, and, and what I want for these women, now some of them are married and are 24 and some of them are not, but my, my goal here is that everyone feels more empowered and more encouraged as a woman in business, particularly in tech, uh, by working here. And that means, um, things are going to look a little bit different than, you know, your normal eight to five. And that's, um, that's what really gets me up in the mornings. So it's fun. I love it. Sounds like fun. Sounds like a lot of fun. Well, (laughs) now that we've all like fallen in love with your whole ideology, Ah. where can people find uh, find you and find out more about what you offer? Yes. So the biz growers everywhere. So the at handle the biz growers um, pretty much everywhere. The business growers dot com is our website. And you can look at our team page and see all the awesome women we have working for us. Um, Again, I firmly believe that each one of them can sit down and tell an equally um, as exciting story about uh, what we're doing here and about just the impact that we're making. It's been it's been really fun to watch. And honestly, I love that now um, two years to a little over two years in, um, I'm not the expert at much of anything anymore. (laughs) I just I just keep hiring really smart people and let them do their thing. And that's been also really awesome to, to watch. So, well, that's um, definitely so yeah, a the, sign the, of a the good business leader. growers. Yeah. Oh, oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Well, always hire awesome someone woman. smarter than you. That's what they say, right? That is the, yeah. that is the goal. That is the goal. That's right. That's right. Well, this has been a thank fantastic, so yeah, this has been a fantastic conversation. Yeah. I think our audience is going to get a ton of value. So we appreciate mm-hmm. you coming on the show and talking about all of these things. Thanks so Anytime. much. Anytime. 
Thank you so much. I think one of the big sort of enlightening moments that I had with Laura were some of the examples that she gave or, you know, we were using that example of belonging and how that can guide our internal and sort of external processes and systems and products and all the things. And so every time you create a product or process or anything really in your business, you should make sure that it ties back to your values. So for the example of belonging, you know, if you are onboarding, you know, a new team member, how do you ensure that team member has the sense of belonging? Similarly, if you're onboarding a new client, how can we ensure that the value of belonging is instilled in our relationship? And to take that a bit further, any type of marketing, messaging, any, you could take it as far as an Instagram post or a blog post. And granted, you're going to have multiple values, but ensuring that it ties back appropriately to one or all of said values. So I think using a concrete example for that was really enlightening for me Mm -hmm. to understand the idea behind creating these, these core values. No, I I completely agree. And it's always so wonderful to have guests on like uh, Laura that is so um, realistic about everything that, you know, goes into uh, figuring those kind of things out. I mm-hmm. have to say, I really enjoyed our conversation. Me too. Um, like I enjoy like 99% Everyone. of our conversations. Every one of them. Yeah. I don't think I'm we ever kidding. walk away saying, I did not like that conversation. No, I don't think that's ever no, happened. no. Unless they're telling me something I should be doing and I just don't have the energy. And then <laughs> do you really have to tell me that? That's all right. That's just me uh, being lazy. Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks so much for listening to Cocktails and Content Creation. You can follow us over on Instagram at Cocktails and Content Creation. And you can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. I'm Kate Andrews, and you can follow me on Instagram at FashionablyKateAndCo. And I'm Jesse Wyman. You can follow me on Instagram at Jesse Wyman Photos. Make sure to tune in next time for another episode of Cocktails and Content Creation. And until then, cheers to your next cocktail. And happy content creating. Mm-hmm.